0: north south connection podcast network multiverse inhabitants thank you so much for joining us here in the multiverse of fabulousness as always i am johnny c and let's see what sort of pop culture variants we can discover in the vastness of the multiverse So it is, by the time this hits your eardrums, fully the back-to-school time frame. Maybe even a football game has taken place. I don't know. I don't watch the schedule of football too closely. But with back-to-school being on everybody's mind, I think it's time that we go back to school and prove to Dad that I'm not a fool. I got my boots laced up, my shoes tight tight. I hope I don't get in a fight, oh, back to school, enough of that though. So, with that in mind, we are going to travel to Earth Dougie, and look at a world where Dean Douglas became WWF champion and ruled with an iron fist in a 10-year title reign. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Fuck no, we're not doing that. So, in the spirit of back to school, what was school life like for all of you out there? You had homework. You had after-school activities you had to dig into. You had social aspects. You had to figure out what what am I going to wear today to impress the dudes. Because I'm looking for some dude impression. Well, I'll tell you what. After-school was pretty cut and dry, regardless of whatever happened during the school day. For me, anyway. Because when I got home from school, I knew that I was guaranteed at least a minimum two hours of fantastic free, well, because we had cable entertainment, of course I'm talking about everyone's favorite television program from NBC, eclipsing Saturday night's main event Saved by the Bell a ridiculously uh, oversimplified view of being a teenager in the 90s when you are mostly white living in a California suburbs uh, that are extremely wealthy as a side note The Save by the Bell reboot is a fantastic, realistic interpretation of how ridiculous that is. And it got cancelled! Fuck you, Peacock. But, I think a lot of us probably grew up with at least some sort of exposure to Save by the Bell. I mean, WGN was bringing you an hour every day, and then TBS was bringing you an hour every day. It's just integrated into my DNA. I would dare say it's just as integrated into my DNA as pro wrestling is. So in order to celebrate this ridiculous coming of age in 90s America, I'm going to travel to Earth Bayside, where the cast of Saved by the Bell has been replaced with pro wrestling superstars. Or to make sense of it all, let's figure out which variants of our favorite wrestlers fit the bill as stand-ins for Saved by the Bell characters. Now, as always, here in the Multiverse of Fabulousness, you gotta live by rules, because if you're just playing a huge game of what if, and you can do whatever you want, things might get off the rails pretty quickly. So, as always, we have rules, and here are the rules for this episode. Number one, the, let's see here, eight main characters, well, it's seven, eight, the eight main characters of the show and a few special guest stars that appear throughout the show's history and influence our main characters will be recast using wrestling stars. Rule number two, no era restrictions are in place for this one as it's purely just for fun. Rule number three, we are not looking for surface level replacements. Okay? Okay. We are looking for characters that match the characters. Eh, how, many, how many times can you use characters in a sentence? Here's a good example that I came up with, or an example. I don't know if it's a good one. So, let's say that the Hulk Hogan wrestling character acted like the Save by the Bell character Screech Powers, which we know not to be true. However, if he did, he could be cast in that role, despite the fact that Hulk Hogan looks absolutely nothing like Screech, okay? And that's kind of part of the fun of it, to be ridiculous, as long as the character traits match. Rule number four, we are omitting any characters from the Miss Bliss era of Saved by the Bell. And if you don't understand that reference, don't worry, just move on. Just move on. That Mainly Ryan, Ryan Gray that is, I'm talking to you. Rule number five, just have fun I mean, after all, we're talking about Saved by the Bell. But since a lot of us are parents and experiencing the ridiculous pressures of remembering to pack lunch, did I get the kids to their practice on time? Uh, What? It's Saturday and I'm spending all day at a wrestling tournament? Fuck me sideways. You know, stuff like that. Just relax. Just have fun. Just put this on when you need a break. Uh, a, A brief warning, I guess? Question mark? As spoilers for Save by the Bell? I mean, can you really spoil Save by the Bell? There are very few overarching storylines. There are some, but I mean, just wanted to throw it out there, I guess, because I'm a nice guy. Now, I will provide a brief character synopsis, uh, but in order to keep this thing not being like a six-hour epic, uh, as long as it helps with context, I'll give you a brief character synopsis. But prior knowledge of Save by the Bell is going to be super beneficial for you. Let's run down who we're going to be recasting. In terms of main characters, I know I sort of tossed back 7 and 8 as different numbers. That's because I am going to incorporate one of the quote-unquote main characters that sort of became not a main character. But they're in the opening credits for a couple of seasons. So, starting with our, I guess, going bottom to top. uh, Mr. Belding will be recast. Max the Magician, that's who I was talking about, will be recast. Tori! will be recast. Tori, who appears in the final season, Uh, and she will not be recast uh, with Tori or Tori, now portraying Tori. That's right. You can punch me later. Lisa Turtle, Jesse Spano, Kelly Kapowski, Samuel Screech Powers, A.C. Slater, and, of course, Zachary Morris. Now, in terms of the guest characters that are going to be recast, it's not a huge list, just, you know, some important ones. Uh, Substitute teacher Rod Belding. Glee club member extraordinaire and sometimes girlfriend to the screechster, Violet Bickerstaff. Summer fling Stacey Carosi. Put upon uh, club owner, Mr. Carosi. And, of course, that sleazy scumbag UCLA motherfucker, Jeff Tramer. Is there anyone in the 30s or 40, in their 30s or 40s who grew up saved by the bell that doesn't hate Jeff Tramer? I actually listened to a great podcast, uh, Mark Paul Gosselaar's podcast, actually, that he used to do, Zack to the Future, where they had on the gentleman who played Jeff Tramer, and it was a fantastic revelation that that dude, even though he's also in Starship Troopers, gets recognized every day as his life and yelled at! yelled at by random people on the street for breaking up Zack and Kelly. But on the flip side of that, what a fucking, you left your mark, right? You might not be the world's most successful actor. I know you're on some soap operas, a couple movies here and there. But hey, congratulations. Even though I can't remember the dude's name off the top of my head, you played Jeff and you're forever a part of the pop culture zeitgeist. But With no further rules or introduction necessary, let's travel to Earth, Bayside. So, did your school have a school trip? Because my school had a school trip, which was usually sending students to Chicago for like four days. And then, it came my class's turn to have the senior class trip. And it was an election year, so guess what? I got to go to Washington, D.C. again. And see... George W. Bush yay, inaugurated, uh, my political views and beliefs aside, let's just leave all that at the door, but my brother, I have a brother who's two years older, and you know, he got to go to Chicago on his class trip, and you know what happened on that class trip? He stayed at the same hotel that the WCW Nitro performers were staying at, and he got to meet Arndt Anderson, get his picture taken with him and all his buddies doing the four sign with Arne Anderson, and they got to see a ridiculously drunk and uh, not fit to work Ric Flair at the bar practically passed out, who Arne indicated would probably not be a good idea to take pictures with. But the students at Bayside High, I'm not, I'm not bitter about that at all, by the way. The students at Bayside High, though, were going to get to go on a trip to beautiful Yosemite National Park. But only if they could pass a test. A test that they knew they couldn't pass. It was not Andrew Martin. It was Mr. Dickerson's history test. And on the day of the exam, Mr. Dickerson was nowhere to be found. Mr. Belding, the Principal emerges and lets us know that he knew that Mr. Dickerson needed a day off when he tried to give him an F. Enter the greatest substitute teacher in the history of our sport, Mr. Belding's little brother, Rod Belding. Now, Rod Belding is the cool guy substitute teacher. He doesn't care about things like rules or tests. You know, I think it stems from a a long, deep-seated issue, deep-seated issue. Excuse me, where he wants to prove that he's better than his big brother, that he might be more successful than his big brother. Sure, his big brother has a job where he's the principal of a nice, rich high school, but he's a high-flying airline pilot from time to time. Um, and, and he thinks that the kids should maybe ditch this lame senior trip to Yosemite and convince Mr. Belding that they should go whitewater rafting and do something a bit more modern and extreme and not old school. And the selection for Mr. Rod Belding is the first of our happy accident cheats. Because not only does our choice look just like Rod Belding, which I've mentioned on numerous podcasts, he also meets the character traits of Rod Belding. It's the Rocket King, Owen Hart, who's always tried to prove that he's better than his big brother, and he's more high flying than his big brother, and he has a more modern, more hip idea of how to take students on a class trip or or wrestle, if you pardon the comparison, than my big brother Brett. Seriously, Look up this fucking guy. Rod Belding is the Rocket King Owen Hart. So much, and I know it's a repeat if you've heard some of my other shows, uh, I'd be like, uh, what would you do this afternoon? I watched Save by the Bell. Oh, cool, which episode was it? It was the Rocket King episode because it's the Owen Hart episode. Um, and I, I like Owen. I think we all do. A major soft spot for Owen. I wanna, I'm want to. happy to get him on the list. But I also feel like the brand synergy there is accurate aside from, like I said, the happy accident of them looking alike. At the end of the day... Big brother Belding gets the win because Rod Belding uh, wants to fuck Inga, the stewardess, and he can't take the kids to Yosemite, or excuse me, to whitewater rafting. And Mr. Belding, at the end of the day, is like, Well, Rod, you get the hell out of my school. And he's like, Well, kids, you know, I could try to take you whitewater rafting. You probably won't have as much fun, but we could still do it. And, and doesn't that sum up the experience of the Hart brothers? You, you know, it, this, this is a very... Hypothetical. Just go with it. Don't get mad at me for the hypothetical. You show up at a meet and greet, and it's like you're here to meet Owen Hart, and Bret Hart walks in. And he's like, "Oh, sorry, my brother Owen had to had to go uh go go somewhere today. He couldn't be here," and you get to hang out with Bret, and it's like, eh, who do I talk to to get my money back? Moving forward, let's go to Violet Bickerstaff, famously played by Tori Spelling. Not much of a character here. She only appears in like three episodes, uh, including the Fantastic Glee Club episode, where it's revealed that she's a decent enough singer, but she she, she kind of sucks when she's in front of an audience because she's got a lot of nerves. And the gang encourages her to move forward and indeed sing. And like I said, she's Tori Spelling uh, before she got, uh, and I'm doing the finger quotes thing here, famous. So we need someone who can sing. But we need someone who's also poor at singing. And, you know what, kidsters? The pool to dive into of choices and selections is shallow, but we're going with Jillian Hall, the 2007 singer variant. Uh, because, you know, they have the same color hair. No, I'm kidding. Look, this character isn't much. The Violet character isn't much. I promised to cast Violet, and so I'm trying to deliver. Jillian, you suck at singing. Violet, you're Okay. But the rest of the Glee Club sucks, so there's some brand synergy there. And I'm not going to say anything more. Sorry, Violet. Uh, much like in 90210, you get the short end of the stick. The next special guest star to receive a wrestling counterpoint is indeed Stacy Carosi. Now, if you're not familiar with Stacey Carosi, there is a small little mini-season of Saved by the Bell, where for about uh, seven or eight episodes, I think, off the top of my head, the gang from Bayside High works at the Malibu Sands Beach Club and gets into all sorts of shenanigans. Now, since they're not at school, they need some adult-type figures to play off of. And even though she's still in college, she's not that much older than the gang. But Stacy Carosi is sort of their um, their middle management. All right. Now, Stacy Carosi eventually would let her t- her cold. Tough as Nails exterior down and fall deeply in love with our hero, Zach Morris. I'm not sure what the laws are in California, and I'm not... No, Zach is not 18 yet. No, fuck. He's 18... Uh, there's a birthday episode. Do you, look, I, I, I don't... I realize I, I need to stay more to the script, folks. But this is just popping into my head... If you're a Deep Cut Saved by the Bell fan, you may appreciate this divergent discussion. During the Malibu Sand season, there is an episode where they have a surprise birthday party for Zach Morris. Uh, assuming that this is indeed his 18th birthday, do you think they included this birthday, because he's going to be a senior, to indicate, folks, it's okay, Stacy is allowed to fuck Zach, because if not, we're dealing with a statutory situation, and I'm not trying to make light of that in real life, but I am thinking to myself, hmm, and I'm stroking my chin, but you can't see that. But, as I mentioned, Stacey Carosi is sort of like an all-business, 90s woman empower stereotype, which I'm not saying is a good thing, but it's definitely the way she was presented, and like I said, eventually she... she lets down that tough exterior. She's still about the business and still wants to manage the Malibu Sands Beach Club successfully and keep the youth-oriented staff under order, but, you know, becomes an active participant in the gang's shenanigans. And if you want to compare this to a sports entertainer, the immediate thought that pops to my mind is the SmackDown general manager variant of Stephanie McMahon. Now, Stephanie is very similar here. Uh, She's all business. She's not going to let Eric Bischoff get the upper hand on her. She's actually uh, committed to making sure that SmackDown becomes the superior brand. And honestly, she was kind of the character that gave me hope that this brand split thing was going to work and actually be concrete and, and stick Because I was like, well, if they sort of establish uh, one of these brands as WWF and the other as WCW, we can sort of have a little uh, fake Monday Night War, I I guess, to to keep it simple. Uh, But, you know, Stephanie... Stephanie's not all about business. I mean, she is, but she'll let that exterior down, maybe dress up like a witch for Halloween, or maybe listen to John Cena rap something inappropriate about her bosoms and be like, that's great, John. Now you've got to wrestle the big show. That is a shitty Stephanie McMahon impression, unrehearsed. But I launched into it anyway. You know, she does good things for the for the fans. She creates the SmackDown tag or the WWE tag team championships and stuff like that. And Stacy Carosi sort of uses her because her dad is the owner of the Malibu Beach Club. Probably should have mentioned that. Uh, it's just coincidence that. Vince's Stephanie's dad, but in situations where SmackDown perhaps needs to get the upper hand uh, before Vince would beat her, of course, at that No Mercy pay-per-view, Stephanie is not above being like, Daddy, please, can SmackDown host a pay-per-view? Because Stacy Carosi would use her pull with her dad, Leon Carosi, who we'll get to, to sometimes get the gang out of trouble. And, you know, I think there's good, there's good synergy there. Um... It's not verbatim. There's a little bit of appearance there, kind of. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, Stacey Carosi, by the way, she probably mentioned, famously played by the Queen of Queens and uh, former Scientologist herself, Leia Remedy. So, you know, she's tough. Stephanie's tough. I like it, I think it works well. But as I mentioned, Stacey Carosi did not just uh, appear like Anakin Skywalker through the Will of the Force, she has a daddy. And that daddy is indeed Mr. Carosi, who is played by the dude who voices uh, Pumbaa, the, the warthog from The Lion King. I think his name's like Ernie something. He's a little guy. He's definitely kind of a Danny DeVito stand-in. And he's got a voice, and I really like it. The impression might not be very good, but Morris, yeah. who is responsible for this? Don't let the guests use their own towels. Make them rent them. You know, he's he's kind of a shyster, too. He's sort of like a, uh, oh, yes, don't worry. We can give you a tour of the beach All right this way. God, Jesse, get them a tour guide. And then he puts his hand on his mouth, and make sure you charge him double for a after-hours tour. Like, you know, just he's just a real, uh, he's an entrepreneur, you know. And I suppose you would think that uh, the easy pick for a scenario like this would be, well, Vince, because you just made Stephanie. Stacy, yeesh, there's a tongue twister. But uh, I'm going a different route. I see something different here. I see Put Upon Mr. Carosi has a lot in common with a man who was still trying to find his footing uh, towards the end of his run as an active manager. But still an active manager and dipping his toes into the pool of commentary. Folks, it probably would have been a right around the Royal Rumble 1992 era of Bobby the Brain Heenan. I mean, couldn't you absolutely see Bobby Heenan as the type of guy who would help like an old lady at the beach club uh, make sure she has plenty of sunblock and hand her a nice large bottle of their most premium brand of sunblock. And then, you know, like I said, reach over to one of the kids and be like, make sure, you know, you mark her down for the 48 ounce bottle. Sir, you gave her the 32. Ah, uh, Just write 48, you know, just something ridiculous like that. He's always trying to make sure that he can uh, con, uh, make a buck, as Scheme Jean would say, but also making sure to kiss ass and and easily uh, swap between face and heel, depending on who's standing in front of him. You know, Bobby Heaton's the type of guy who, let's say he's doing a stand-up interview, and be like, I can't believe that happened out there. Hulk Hogan is the biggest piece of garbage. He cheated. He cheated. And then Hulk Hogan walks up behind him, and he'd immediately turn around and be like, I can't believe it. I told Rick Rude not to cheat. But he cheated! Hulk Hogan, congratulations! You know, like, it's just, I don't know. It, it works perfectly for me. And when I think of Mr. Carosi, I think of those pivoting face to heel turns depending on who is in his presence. And that makes me think of Bobby. And that, I guess, puts a bow on the Karosi family. And it's too bad Stephanie and Bobby never got to coexist in the same era. But alas, uh, that's reality, I suppose. Our next guest needs no introduction. Because I I spent quite a bit of time introducing him, sort of, in the intro. But it is, indeed, that son of a bitch from UCLA, Mr. Jeff Tramer. And I'll tell you what, guys. This dude is a charming, good-looking upperclassman, if I say so myself. Well, I suppose he's an upperclassman to the kids at Bayside, because I believe he's a freshman at UCLA. And when Kelly Kapowski is beleaguered by her father losing his job. And we all know... If you thought that the taxicab driver in Total Recall had a lot of kids to feed, oh no, Mr. Kapowski has nine kids to feed, okay? that's a, Them's a lot of kids. And he staggers into Kelly's room and he's like, Kelly, oh, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And you know, Kelly Kapowski, who we haven't covered yet, but you know, she's all chipper. She's like always happy and always uh, always sees the sunny side of life. I think that's the song. And she's like, yes, Daddy, what is it? And he's like, well, I got a good news and a bad news. The good news is uh, world peace broke out. And she's like, well, that's fucking awesome. What's the bad news? He's like, well, it's not good news if you're in the defense business. Kelly, I lost my job today. But don't worry. Uh, All you kids will still have food. Why is he suddenly Jimmy Stewart? I don't know. But she's like, okay, Daddy, here's the money for my prom dress. And so she gets a job at the max to pay for her dress. Okay? Okay. Actually, wait a minute. You know what? That's not what she does. That's the prom episode. Okay, this is a costume party that they want to go to. And Zach's like, hey, Kelly, let's get some. You know what? I'm leaving that in, though, because I enjoyed that Jimmy Stewart impression. Zach's all like, Kelly, there's another fucking dance at school, and your dad lost his job Earlier, a few episodes ago. So see, it's still relevant. And she's like, "Well, Zach, you know those fucking dresses are expensive, dude." And he's like, "Yeah, I know, Kelly, but I'm white and look pretty good. I mean, have you seen my mom? You've seen my dad, right? <laughs> he's fucking slick as can be. Uh, uh, salesman, uh, Derek Morris. Hey, hi, Derek Morris. Do you want to buy a computer? Uh, this is just for the deep cut, saved by the Bell fans, but." Kelly gets a job at the Max to pay for her fucking dress, and she falls head over heels for this really good-looking freshman at UCLA named Jeff, who's the manager at the Max. You know, uh, she rescues him, uh, or I'm sorry, he rescues her from a couple of uh, thuggish customers who are like, hey, yo, Spike, they put ketchup on your hamburger. And he's like, I didn't order any ketchup. And Jeff's like, hey, you got to talk to this waitress, Kelly. She's hot. Get out of here. And the crowd's like, ah, ah. And, uh, you know, so, so of course, she's smitten by this guy, okay? He's different. He's charming. He stands up for her, He's not uh, entitled like Zach. A- actually, wait a minute. I'm kind of starting to think Jeff, Jeff's the good guy here. <laughs> what? Uh, w- no, he's the bad guy, damn it, because... He breaks the heart of our main character. And it's supposed to be, my whole point of this is he's supposed to be a charming, good-looking guy who ends up being a bag underneath. And what better example of that than the RNN shoulder injury update version of Randy Orton. Plus, Randy Orton's got a leg up on Jeff because it's like, Oh, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm Jeff. I'm, I'm your boss. I'm going to be helping you out here. Oh, Jeff. And they, remember, he's really hot. Kelly's like, oh my god, this guy's so hot. Oh, hi Jeff, nice to meet you. What happened to your arm? He'd be like, oh well, don't worry about my arm here, Kelly, because it's actually at 48 percent efficiency, and doctors are projected within two weeks I'll be up to 54. And yeah, by the way, I injured it saving a girl from a fire, who was eight. And you know you're in. All right. Now, I'm not saying you should lie about these types of things in real life, but we don't know anything about the Jeff character. That could be true if he was the RNN version of Randy Orton and uh, he might be the good guy. But then he does get here's the thing, though. He gets caught later in the series at the 18 or above dance club known solely as the Attic. Uh, and this club looks a lot of fun. I'd love to go hang out with the bouncer, with the scar, and with uh, the, ch- the, the, the lady who's, who's very uh, obsessed with Screech and is like, piano duck suit, you know? that's <laughs> Donnie! You know, because he pretends to be a guy named Donnie, and he makes the fake IDs, too. But the whole point of all of this is Jeff gets caught with another lady, and Kelly catches him ran- ha- red-handed. She's got this look on her face. Like, first she's upset, like, Oh, my God, you broke my heart. And then she's upset, like, Oh, my God, someone shit- in my travel bag, I'm gonna beat this fucker's ass. But she's still Kelly Kapowski at heart, so she throws a drink in his face, and Jeff leaves without any further confrontation, which I find very strange. But maybe, maybe Jeff meant what he said when he's like, Kelly, I really like you, but I'm just not ready for a commitment right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, until you're in the commitment stage, you may not know you're not ready for a commitment yet. So he just figured it out. Well, maybe he should have told her. I'm not actively trying to defend Jeff, but I've kind of fallen in love with him myself over the course of this segment. And in order to move on, I'm going to do just that. But Jeff, give me a call, man. see how you're doing. And I'm moving on from Jeff. We're moving on to the main event of the evening, where I promised we would do the actual main cast that appears in the opening title sequence. Let's do the weirdos first. First, the ultra weird, Max. The guy that owns the Max uh, restaurant uh, fancies himself a bit of an amateur magician or a just shitty professional magician. I don't know, and I don't really care. Uh, There's only one choice for Max, and that is the face version of Doink. Because I hate when Max shows up in episodes. I hate when uh, the good guy Doink shows up in episodes. And you know what? Good guy Doink does lame-ass magic tricks. And uh, Max does lame-ass magic tricks. That's how their characters gel. Max, get off my TV screen. And also, I don't like the seasons where they're younger. I prefer the junior and the senior years. But not. You're standing at the edge of tomorrow. Today, 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 today. I don't like the college years. That, that's where that whole thing was going with that. Uh, up next, the man in charge, Principal Richard Belding. And you know, Mr. Belding's a pretty good guy. He's just trying to do his job right. But he is constantly dealing with the nonsense that these kids are bringing to the table. I mean, seriously, fake carnivals... Selling school property uh, for, for personal gains, all right? Stealing the driver's ed go kart car, uh, pretending to be a real glee club, kidnapping the opposing chess team members, okay? Poor Richard Belding is put upon and has a lot of shit that he has to deal with in his everyday life. And folks, the absolute perfect analog for a person in the professional wrestling business that's just tried to do the right thing and has constantly had to deal with bullshit is none other than a post-NWO success Tony Schiavone, the WCW commentator, the voice of WCW who led us through Nitro and Thunder in those lean years when he was just trying to get to the day without putting a bullet in his head. And I could, you know, that that's not actually funny, but we know Tony's okay. Alright? But just from all the nonsense of the Vince Russo era, which I've covered ad nauseum, to the Kevin Nash era, to the ridiculous era where the Nitro's like three hours and poor Tony has to lead us through the video packages and the killing of time in the first hour in 1999. I mean, any day... Any Nitro broadcast that ends with you still alive and the arena not in flames is a win. you got to think Richard Belding is thinking the same thing. That last bell rings and the kids leave. And you know what? I think that's probably why ultimately the show is called Saved by the Bell. Because that is how Richard Belding lives and dies. By the bell. And every day around 2.55, he's looking at that rope that he keeps at his desk. The bell rings... The school still stands, and Mr. Belding and Tony Shivani are saved by the bell. Now, I wanted—I wanted before I move on—I wanted to give this a shot, so it's going to be hit or miss. But I wanted to imagine uh, the legendary Tony Shavani saying some of Mr. Belding's tremendous lines throughout history. The classic, as Belding: "Hey, hey, hey! What is going on here?" And then as Tony. Uh, You know, like in the middle of a match, maybe Raven's behind Saturn with a chair and Saturn's about to turn around. He's like, hey, 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 what is going on here? Uh, You know, and then, of course, whenever Mr. Belding would talk to Jesse, he'd say, Jesse, hello, how are you? You know, whatever. But Tony Schiavone talks to Jesse Ventura so much. And there's a unique way he says it. He's like, Jesse, I mean, so imagine every time Belding and Jesse have to talk, you get Jesse. There is a great moment where I believe Slater or and Zach get into some sort of fisticuffs and Belding breaks up the fight. And after he breaks up the fight, everyone's still all the students are still staring. And he's like, "Go to class, learn something, you know." And and maybe Jesse Ventura or not Jesse, the Bobby the Braid has given Tony Schiavone some stuff, and Bobby's like, "Well, how am I supposed to know that, Tony?" Well, go to class, learn something. A great moment where Slater's like, "Mr. Belding." Can I talk to you for a second? And Belding goes, Sure. Time's up. (laughs) I can't really do the Belding laugh. But let's get in to the big characters. Our gang, our kidsters, our favorite ones. So tell me if this has ever happened to you. You're sitting there, you're putting off doing your homework. And you're like, yeah, thank God there's one more episode of Saved by the Bell. And we all know that opening these shows have opening credit sequences that list the cast, and they always list the cast in the same order. And after Screech, you're supposed to go to Kelly. So you're sitting there, you're dreading doing your homework, you're already kind of bummed out, this is the last episode of the day. Screech's visage pops up, and it's like, Dustin Diamond! And then Screech disappears, and you see... Tori! Now, I am not much of a Tory fan. Uh, I'm much more of a Kelly fan and uh, Jesse to a lesser extent, but I like them both more than Tory, especially when you consider the fact that Tory's integration is basically taking place on a different Earth. Maybe that's Earth 2 in the Saved by the Bell universe, because we all know that Saved by the Bell was such a huge hit and they finished all their episodes, including the graduation series finale. And they're like, um, we'd like to have four episodes. So they called her and said, yeah, come on back. We're shooting more episodes. And you know what? Tiffany Amber Theason and um, Elizabeth Berkeley, fucking obviously the smartest people on the show. Because the show's a hit. We need to get, and, and we're done contractually. Let's have a little bit more money, NBC. To which NBC was like, oh, very well. You're replaceable. And, and they, boom, they're just gone. And, and they get replaced by this new character. Jesse and Kelly never explained away. And they're shot after the fact, so everybody is noticeably older. Mark Paul Gossler is cycled up on the gas, okay? Lisa has a completely different hairstyle, which is fine. It's just for continuity's sake, it just doesn't seem to gel. Not to mention the fact that these episodes are all cut in with Jesse and Kelly episodes if you watch them in the required order. So, I don't know. Just just never sat right with me. But Tori is a motorcycle-riding uh, lady who's not like the others, if you will. I mean, that's the way that she sort of is presented. And I got I got no problem with that. But it's very uh, stereotypical. Like, I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, Tori is obviously... I mean, she's a lesbian, right? Which, you know, awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. Let's go with it. Um, but it's so like... I don't know. They're they're never going to die. lead into that. I mean, they have her date Zach, for example. Now, Zach and Tori, I believe, would be great friends. Like, I, I have no... I, I believe that because, you know, deep down, I think Zach can be friends with anybody. Maybe I'm overanalyzing this. But I just don't see Zach falling for Tori. And it's like... I hear myself saying these things out loud. And I'm like, dude, you're 40. Like, you really have an opinion on this? And I'm like, well, I, I mean... I, I don't have an opinion on this in a way where I'm like angry about it, but I'm like, I don't know, guys. You could work a little bit harder, you know. As a fan of pro wrestling, a lot of people look at that as the lowest common denominator in entertainment, for right or wrong. Okay, I don't think it's right. I don't think I don't know what the lowest com, what the lowest denominator is in like entertainment or television that's produced. Okay, I don't. I do also know that your audience is your audience, and television and film, even in the '90s, like isn't what it is now. Where, you know, you make a sequel... I mean, take a, the look at the Batman series, for example. Uh, there's no desire to be like, uh, especially back in the '90s, like the early ones, to be like, oh, okay, we'll just do one without Michael Keaton. It doesn't matter. It's just Batman. Nobody, nobody cares about that. And I think it's a. I mean, it still happens every once in a while, but it's it's very hard. Like if they suddenly announced Avengers five is coming out tomorrow, and you walk in the theater to see it, and War Machine is recast, and Captain Marvel is recast, like just. You know, you'd be like, well, we're where, where Don Cheeto and Brie Larson. Like, that's not what we want. And it would actually be a stir and like a thing. So I don't know. Maybe that's kind of the way I feel about Saved by the Bell is that it didn't have to be the lowest common denominator. They didn't just have to think their audience wouldn't care or get it. Now, on the flip side, it's a new character to sell and market. Um, but I don't know how much money they made off of these random nine episodes. But because, you know... Tori walks at her own pace and she lives her life as who she is. And I love it. I do. Uh, and, and she, and, you know, I'm not... Like I said, Her them making her like stereotypical like this is just kind of like, oh, come on. It's not cut and dry, people. Alright? But anywho, I do like the fact that she's sort of the alternative girl. Alright? And she's kind of like, I can't wear a leather coat at Bayside? Well, fuck your rules, man. That's my Tori impression. But, so... Your rules, man, should give you an indication that it is the Team Extreme variant of Lita. You know, she's just one of the guys. She's hanging out, we're doing everything. Well we want to have a burp contest. Okay, let's have a burp contest. Uh you wanna wrestle? Well guess what? I can be just as flashy as you. As she is just as intelligent as the other characters, like they didn't bring her on to be like a, a female screech variant, although Screech is like the smartest character anyway, but Screech is very aloof. Tori's sort of a voice of reason, but willing to get engaged in the crazy stuff. So if Jeff Hardy's about to do something crazy, I could see it going two ways. One, Lita being like, dope, we don't need to do it. We can win the match. Or two, climbing right up and trying to out-extreme him. And I think that Tori would do that too. Not only would she say, yes, I can help you fix your car. Uh, once she sees you're taking too long, she'd kick you out of the way and get under herself and be like, you know, I'll just fix this later. I'll see you in an hour, you know? Uh, She's she's ready and ready to go, man. And Lita is sort of a cutting edge character. You know, it, it, it's it's one of the better female representations. Now you're gonna be like, well, sex, life, sex show, and cane abortion or not ab- and Okay, yes, they did they they did them all dirty. I don't want to miss that point. But I you know, Lita's very much like a forerunner, okay? And if Tori was the character that I'm hypothesizing, she maybe have been intended to be. A forerunner, normalization, inclusion. I like it. Or they just needed uh, something cookie cutter. You know. All right, we've got the cute guy, we got the jock, we had the cheerleader, the smart girl, the fashionista, the nerd. We need uh, we need a thug. Like that's how Vince McMahon would would pitch this Patterson. We need a lady to come in. We need her to be a thug. We need her to be tough. We need her to be a bitch you know, and uh, he would just be like, you know what? Give me that one. Put a a leather jacket on her. That means she's tough. (laughs) I don't know. It is what it is. But thus ends the saga of Tori. Went on way longer than I wanted it to, and I apologize for that. But Tori, much like uh, she stands out in the show as a sore thumb, she gets her own little elongated segment. Now fans, i I came to a very stark realization as I was trying to find the trio for our female stars, okay? it's It's something that I've kind of always known, but I had I'm gonna put this out there. The character traits of Jesse, Lisa, and Kelly are rudimentary. Uh, they're not exactly ridiculously layered characters. It, it is, after all, a, a TV show designed for a Saturday morning audience in the 90s, okay? But even these sort of common character traits are very, very difficult to find in the deep waters of the WWE women's roster history. Now, there are lots of characters, or, well, I wouldn't say... Lo- there are more female characters that are fully complete um, characters sorry for the double up there these days but you know the further back you go the less and less and less you find about the you know these characters or these these female performers so I've done something for the first time in the history of anything and we'll get there as soon as I do it which is right now Lisa Turtle what do we know about Lisa Turtle well she's a school gossip she's a bit of a fashionista She's an entrepreneur, after all, because she wants to be a fashion designer and run her own business. She's definitely a little vain, not in a way that means she puts others down or what have you, but she's also going to be the first person in the room to tell you how it is. And she's constantly being uh, followed around by an ugly man. All right. That, That, of course, being Screech. And I dug through the history of World Wrestling Entertainment Federations Incorporated. And I and I got nothing here. There's not a whole lot. So for the first time in the history, I... And of course, WCW doesn't have shit. I'm crossing the aisle. I'm not crossing the line because I'm not going to impact wrestling. But I'm going to go to AEW. And because I, I had an idea. I was like, well... They kind of look like one another. It's not verbatim, but there's a little comparison there, especially when Lisa has her hair uh, very straight in the uh, Tory seasons. And so I watched a little bit of this woman's performance on her show, and I was like, well, you're definitely fashion forward. Uh, You definitely don't pull your punches when dealing with people, especially when you're trying to solve the problems in the women's division at AEW. And, you know, you are definitely an entrepreneur and you're constantly followed around by a likable, but nonetheless, very ugly man. And that is the chief brand officer, formerly, of AEW, Brandy Rhodes. So, yeah, I watched their reality show. And that's where I'm pulling this from. I, look, I don't watch a lot of AEW. But I definitely think there's some synergy there, and uh, come on, Cody Rhodes. I love, I like Cody Rhodes. He's he's not a he's not a handsome man. Okay, I mean I'm free to say that, and that's fine. I think he's aware of this. Uh, he's got some nice suits though. His suits picked out by his wife, I'm sure. Hence. The least connection there. Because because Cody and Brandy always look good. I will definitely say that about them. I've got I've got some suit envy when it comes to Cody. And you know Brandy's picking that shit out. Because uh, she had a pretty damn good wardrobe too. And she's doing all this stuff while she's pregnant, mind you. Which, uh, obviously, it, it doesn't surprise me that women are capable of this. But at the same time, I can only imagine how much a pain in the ass being pregnant actually is. I mean, I've seen it happen (laughs) a couple times and it's just it's hard I mean sometimes I don't even want to walk down the steps you know to get a pair of socks (laughs) okay imagine doing that while pregnant so I don't know a mad respect to Brandy I you know I there's I don't know a whole lot more about uh, the character she had within the confines of the wrestling ring Um, it's definitely more than that goddamn fucking TNT reality show that I can't believe AEW did that, by the way. That's just a whole other thing on the side. I mean, it's good exposure, I guess, but I don't know. But that's that's going to put a bow on Lisa. She's also, unfortunately, the character that received the least uh, centric episodes. aren't a whole lot of Lisa-centric episodes, in my opinion. Number, or not number, <laughs> moving on to the next of the female leads, we've got Jessica Spano. Will you believe you won't take Jessica Spano at <laughs> I should have done that James guy. I love that guy. Jesse Spano's number two in her class. She's a feminist. Uh, She doesn't put up with your bullshit, Bubba. She's a political activist. And she's always one to remind you of how much more intelligent she is than you and what she's accomplished. You know... Uh, when she introduces herself, I'm sure she's like, "Hello, I'm Jessica Spano, class president, uh, 4.001 GPA, and uh, a, 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 you know, in line to be the valedictorian, and I'm a poet laureate." You know, that, that's how she says hello. And it really reminded me of another character who's definitely promoting a positive method- message for females, in my opinion. And you know, she's not just an athlete; she's not just a pretty face. She can. Bust up your face beyond repair, and then for a nominal fee, I suppose you could say she might repair it herself. And she's always one to let us know exactly who she be. She's Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Which I guess makes the Tony Shivati is Mr. Belding thing a little creepy, since he's sort of her hanger on her, uh, you know, and, and Belding's old and Jesse is not. But I I kind of love the synergy here. I really do like Dr. Britt Baker quite a lot. Uh, I usually see promos that she does and things like that. And I think she's extremely entertaining. And I love the DMD aspect of it as well. Like I I love the fact that she's legitimately uh, this person who has this accreditation and has these accomplishments but yet decides to be a pro wrestler. I I love that. And I also really like the idea that she's... That this sort of places her in a position above the rest, just as soon as she walks into a room, kind of like Jesse. It's like you might be coming into this room, Jesse, to uh, pretend you're in the doing the military training episode. You know, you're here to do uh, physical exercises for a week. Well, you walk into the room and you know you're the smartest person there already. You know, Bert Baker walks into the uh, women's locker room as a character, not the person, mind you, because I'm sure the person's very nice. But you know, and it's like not only am I the champ. Uh, but looking at the rest of you, even if I wasn't the champ, I'm still smarter than you, and I'm bringing in more dollars than you because I'm a fucking dentist. Side question, though, all you AEW fans out there, hit me up on Twitter at the Johnny C. Has anyone ever pulled a hangover on Dr. Britt Baker? You know, like when she's like, I'm DMD, and someone's like, Britt, you're a fucking dentist. If something happens, I still have to call a doctor, you know? Uh, has anyone ever done that? Because if they haven't, you can have that one for free. Just give me tickets. I kind of would like to see an AEW show. But Jesse, in retrospect, was portrayed as like this sort of annoying nag. And I like I get the annoying person stereotype like I do. And especially a person who's really good at what they do being annoying or what have you. But you you can't take away from the fact that Jesse Spanos is a fucking genius, you know? She's a really smart character, and she's definitely doing good things. Stop the drilling. Stop the oil. Stop the shouting. Give me a kiss. There's a deep pull for you to say by the Bell fans. And not to mention when she was able to fight back against her base instincts to kiss Zach during uh, Snow White and the Seven Dorks. Hey, my name's Snow White, and I'm rapping, and I'm cool, and my name's Snow White, and I ain't no fool. What a great episode, indeed. But, I do like the synergy with Britt Baker. Let's hit up our final female for the evening. You know, out of context, that last uh, transition doesn't sound too good, but I'm going to stick with it. We've got Kelly Kapowski. Who is she? She's the prom queen. She's the homecoming queen. She's the most popular girl in school, the star of the volleyball team. And the head cheerleader. But here's what flips all of that on its ass. She's also extremely likable. And I have a feeling that every single person that she encounters in this school kind of loves her. Not in a creepy way, but it's like, gosh, she's so nice. She'd give you the shirt off her back. And please do. Oh, that was creepy. I'm sorry, Kelly. Uh, But, you know, she would go out of her way to help you no matter what. And look at all these archetypes I just listed. Prom queen. Homecoming queen, most popular girl in school, star of the volleyball team, head cheerleader. Think of any other like show or movie; those are all like negative archetypes. It's like, oh, that's Regina George. She's the prom queen, the homecoming queen. the probably popular girl in school. you know, like, I, and and that's okay. Like, I get you. Got to have that in in simplistic teen dramas or teen comedies, and that's totally fine. But what's so cool about Kelly is that she's she's so fucking likable. She's a nice person. She doesn't. Uh, she's not the prom queen because she bribed everybody, or she fucking uh, rigged the box. Well, maybe Zach did. I don't know. But, you know, everyone gives her these accolades. Well, the volleyball and the head cheerleader, she's earned. And she earned the other ones, too. But if they're voted on by the student body, it's because she's so fucking kind. And it reminds me of a very uh, modern WWE character. But, but you know, not so much WWE. NXT! It's Kelly! Oh, wait, no. I said the wrong name. It's Bailey face nxt bailey is the same she's so likable everyone loves her and it's because of who she is she doesn't have some sort of zany catchphrase or hilarious t-shirt that she has uh you know she just goes out there she works hard and she's nice to her fans she's got that little girl that loves her Uh, if kelly was a wrestler you better believe some little girl is gonna fucking love kelly kapowski and look up to her because not only is she a hell of an athlete like kelly is she's so nice And they have other things in common, too. Well, you know, not so much when Kelly was in Saved by the Bell. Maybe when she was in 90210, but I'll leave it to that. And speaking of 90210, when Kelly turns heel and becomes Valerie on 90210... Well, I'll tell you what I pretty much enjoy Heel Bailey quite a bit. It's very entertaining, but a different way. She's just the right sort of smug and annoying, uh, without being too smug and annoying to where I want to turn off my TV. Uh, I could see her getting there, but I think I think they'll rate it in. They've got some good folks in charge there now that'll help her out, and uh, I I can't wait to see Bailey prosper even further. And it probably stems from my deep rooted love for Kelly Kapowski, because at the end of the day, we want someone who's nice. I mean, they can certainly be other things too, but at the same time, you know, if you can't sit down and and, and talk to the person that you're, uh, you know, spending your life with, uh, what's the fucking point? And uh, I do love, even though Zach and Kelly got together in Saved by the Bell uh, wedding in Las Vegas, and then they were together in the Peacock show, and they, they seem to be living very different lives, but it's still pretty hilarious. Please watch that Save by the Bell reboot. If you're a Save by the Bell fan, you haven't done it yet, just do it. Zack as the governor of California is an all timer. What a great idea and just the perfect fucking thing. Um, but yeah, but that, that's gonna finish up the ladies here. And that it's you know, just to wrap it up, it's Kelly is Face Bailey from NXT, Jessica Spano is Dr. Britt Baker DMD, and uh, Lisa Turtle is Brandy Rhodes specifically the sort of true well. I wouldn't say it's a true character, but the character she played on the reality show as the chief branding officer. I know she was that in real life. And I'm not saying she wasn't acting like herself, but we all know reality shows. I mean, we all know. We all, we're all in on it. We're pro wrestling fans, after all. The final three members of the Save by the Bell roster live in pop culture infamy and may not need much introduction, but I'm going to give you some anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce my good friend, Albert Clifford Slater. That's what the AC stands for. Um, Famously played by a special Sunday Night Heat guest star, Mario Lopez, uh, which you can hear all about in Kingfish over in the Cave Cheap plug. Uh, But AC Slater is a character who moves to Bayside in our first episode. So the gang already knows each other. They're sort of established. And Slater is the new wrinkle who's introduced into this environment to shake things up if you will. Now, Slater is a professional jock. I don't really know any other way to put it. He's kind of a typical 90s guy, but not in a way that he's like an asshole, because he is pretty nice, even to screech right away. I mean, he can smell the shenanigans coming a mile away, but, you know, that doesn't make him an asshole. He's not like tripping nerds in the hallway for fun and using them as target practice, so that's good. But he does seem a little closed off from new experiences, which is kind of weird because he's lived his life all over the world. But perhaps the upbringing provided to him by his father as a high-ranking military official influences his narrow view of things. And don't even ask me about his mom. Never addressed. Unless you watch the reboot. Watch the reboot. Here in Bayside, he falls in love. He makes new friends. He buries his best friend. Hey, and into college years, he uncovers his hidden cultural heritage question mark that he didn't know about? Oh, well. But there is one Federation superstar that we meet in 1999 that also seemed like a straightforward jock who might have a hard time coming in and making an impact because, in the end of 1999, a lot of our Attitude Era staples had already been established and had some sort of interaction with one another. Now This man seemed like he would be easy to understand, but over the years, he challenged our expectations. He fell in love. He made new friends. I'm not sure about finding any hidden cultural heritage, but he did discover that he could be and was very funny. It is indeed. <clears throat> excuse me, my goodness, your Olympic hero, <speaks> Slater's... Angle! Yeah, it's Kurt Angle. I mean, look... W- who couldn't see this coming a mile away, if at all? Just the connection, to the fact that AC Slater is like a prof- is basically a professional amateur high school wrestler, and got a scholarship to Iowa, but decided to go to California University for some reason. Uh, and I love the way that Slater gets that full scholarship to Iowa. He's just chilling at the Max. Dude walks in. Hey, Slater. Uh, I'm 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 Bill Paxson, coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. I'd like to offer you a full scholarship to the University of Iowa. And then. He walks away. (laughs) No details. No, do you have a legal guardian present. Just congrats. But Kurt Angle, man, he just sort of opened our world up to what a quote-unquote jock could be. Just like Slater did. Slater acted in the play. He danced in Swan Pond, the uh, ballet, to help his buddy Zach graduate. And don't forget, he's one-third of the minds behind the innovative product, Buddy Bands. And Kurt Angle himself, after you know, letting us know that he was the only true athlete in the WWF, well, he learned to let loose. He stands up for abstinence, one of his core beliefs. He would perform in plays as one-third of the legendary Team Eck. He was so cool, he didn't need to be macho. He'd just hug it out and solve his problems. And even though he couldn't find love with Stephanie, he would eventually find it in the arms of a Texas rattlesnake. And so I think that Kurt Angle and A.C. Slater are buddies in arms indeed. As we inch ever forward to what is inevitably the final individual on the roster, I want to focus on his best friend, Samuel Screech Powers, played by the legendary, and late, unfortunately, uh, TNA Impact Wrestling crossed the Line at the Fairgrounds alumnist, Dustin Diamond. Now, Screech, honestly folks, was a fucking genius. Alright? He had a robot! Okay? Aside from Polly in the real version of Rocky IV, who else had a robot? Uh, he's also, though, a little oblivious to the here and the now and the actual existence of reality. He's easily manipulated but here's the kicker, though. When he figures out that he's been manipulated and really, and it really gets to him, it really gets to us, too, as the audience. It hurts us. You know, those folks didn't just press the button on the crowd control that makes them go, aww, like we fell for you, Screech, because you put up with so much shit and you just kind of let it roll off your back. But when it, you're manipulated one step too far, it hurts. You know, everybody forgets your birthday. It hurts. And we hurt with you. I think this can be uh, best summed up by the analog that I've chosen for Screech. This man is also a genius. A little oblivious to, uh, well, how regular folks walk through life. And, by the variant that I'm choosing, very easily manipulated. And when he finds out he's been manipulated, it breaks our collective hearts. And I am talking about the Mr. McMahon's son... Variant, or the Deadly Games variant, or the basically fall of nineteen ninety eight version of mankind. Now, what I love about this, okay, is 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 how perfectly these two match up. Because mankind also is a genius. He's a wrestling genius, a piano prodigy, if you will, but completely oblivious to everyday life. All right, if if it was a, a, a shoot, okay. Now, one of the best. If you might be on the fence about this, I have something I'd like to perform for you, which I apologize for, but I appreciate the indulgence. So there's some episode where they're in a English class and they just have to write a poem, all right? Screech's poem is just lame and simple. Kind of charming, I suppose. When morning comes, I raise my head. Shut off the alarm, get out of bed. I brush my teeth like mother said. And I always feed my spider, Ted. <laughs> you know, they just kind of gets a shit and grin and goes back to his seat. And the teacher's like, oh, Mr. Powers, lovely, lovely. Now, however, here's a fantastic example of how that's the same words, but under the context of mankind. Oh, you know, Mr. McMahon, when morning comes, I raise my head shut off the alarm, get out of bed, I brush my teeth, like mother said, and I always feed my spider Ted, Uncle Paul, I think that I'm losing my mind, <laughs> and I don't care, yeah, I guess that was a little Paul Bear at the end reacting to this crazy poem that his son has read him, but Mr. McMahon orders mankind around like he's fucking Screech, all right? Now, Mr. McMahon is not the pick for Zach Morris, but, you know, Zach's like, Screech, I've got an idea. I need you to sneak into the girls' locker room and take pictures of them so I can, you know, use them (laughs) for his catalog, not because he wants to, well, anyway, uh... Me, Mick, all right, come here, come here, I got something for you. Now, Mick, we've got a problem, all right? The Alliance, or no, wait, Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin, because the Alliance isn't a thing yet in 1980. Stone Cold has decided that he is going to put a put a bomb in the women's locker room. And Mick, you're right, the only one smart enough to defuse it. But make sure you get plenty of pictures while you're in there. Oh, Mr. McMahon, oh, I don't think that... Tory and Terry and Jacqueline will like me taking pictures of them in their swimsuits. Ah, but Mick, here's the thing. They're going to want to know where the bomb was. And if we don't have pictures, the police won't be able to prosecute. Oh, Mr. McMahon, you're so smart. <laughs> I'm so happy you're my dad! Big bang, bang! You know, then he runs away off camera to go do it. And Vince, like, fixes his tie, and he's like, all right, let's move on to the next thing I gotta do today. And he just doesn't give a shit about the danger and peril that he's just put Mick Foley or Mankind through, you know? And Screech always has those great lines about, oh, Zach, you know, the last time you had a great idea, I ended up on the bus in my underwear. But, and again, you know, Mick doing the same thing. Oh, Zack. Last time you had a good idea, I ended up on fire! You know, and then the studio audience laughs. Why are you laughing? I can still smell the flesh, and I can rip it from my bones! And then the crowd's like, <gasps> and of course, mankind can pivot on a dime. Uh, but it also burned off all my clothes, except for my underwear. And then he gives a thumbs up. Have a nice day. And of course, the studio audience responds in kind with a, yeah, right, yeah. You know. He could pivot on a dime. And, uh, I don't know. It's a little crazy and a little out there. I think I beat it into the ground. But mankind is my screech. And I'm sticking to it. Uh, but folks, it don't get no bigger than this. This is for the biggest in our business. It is, of course, the main event of the evening. Zachary Morris! That's right, folks. It's Zach Morris. I've built it up enough. It's time to deliver, and hopefully I do. Now, I don't want to revise history here, but Zach Morris was the man, right? Despite the fact that he was indeed kind of a dick, who didn't grow up wanting to be just like him? I mean, he looked great, and he had a hair-brained scheme for everything. He was immune to consequences. He got the girl... He was a secret genius, allegedly. 1,502 on his SATs. Without trying, he just filled in the bubbles or whatever. I'm not surprised, though. I mean, this guy could pull a fully-formed, multi-layered scheme out of his ass at lunch and deliver it and execute it by fifth period. Not to mention, he seemed to be motivated by the most ridiculous of circumstances. I yield this point to perhaps one of the greatest character beats in television history. Now, it does pull from the reboot of Saved by the Bell. But since, much like WrestleMania, we are all grown up now, I think it shows that Zach always remained true to himself and should absolutely be motivation for you to check out the Saved by the Bell reboot, which is the last I will say of it. <clears throat> California is where my story began. I grew up in the Palisades. I married my high school sweetheart, Kelly, and became a successful trial attorney who always fought for what was cool. My calling to politics came later in life. As part of a scheme to get out of paying a $75 parking ticket, I decided to run for governor. And I won! (laughs) It seems that despite his best efforts, Zach Morris seems to continue to fail upwards much like my pick. He is indeed the Mac Daddy, the fake referee, the European champion, the sister defending, ladder match winning, son of a billionaire, the error apparent, the kingfish, if you will, from the mean streets of Greenwich, Connecticut, Shane McMahon, oh yeah, baby, Shane McMahon, Slater, I've got an idea. First thing we're going to do is we're going to take the Screechster. We're going to hang him up from the flagpole. And then we're going to throw shit at him. Ah, Prippy, why are we doing that? Because it's fun. I would pay triple, nay quadruple, my monthly subscription fee to Peacock if it would help finance a Shane in the Mean Street Posse laugh track uh, sitcom about the antics that they got up to when they were in whatever Greenwich High School they went to. This fictional version of Shane McMahon that being you're like I'm a commentator and then I'm with my dad helping him out with his schemes and then he's with he brings in the posse and all that shit it seems like he suffers no consequences he has unlimited wealth to pull from and even though he gets into trouble he never really gets into trouble okay I mean, the Mean Street Posse ver- uh, as well. I mean, they're great here, too. I can't fit them in because, you know, they're not really good archetypes for Zach's friends. But those vignettes where they're like, oh, yeah, man, we were out in the town and things were getting crazy. And Shane O'Mac came around the corner like, oh, man, start the car. We got to get out of here. Uh, Shane McMahon going up against a grizzly bear. Well, you better help the grizzly bear because Shane O'Mac ain't backing down. I mean, that's kind of Zach Morris in a nutshell. Now, I don't know if Shane McMahon was ever the lead singer of a fictional group, but uh, f- pulling from the same episode of Saved by the Bell, where uh, Mark Paul Gossler has to dress up like Vanilla Ice when he flies solo. Can't you see Shane O'Mac in the Vanilla Ice wig? And if you don't buy into any of this, allow me to try to persuade you with some Shane McMahon delivery of some classic Zach Morris quotes. Uh, you know, Saved by the Bell starts, we get that intro music, Do do do. And then Zach walks into frame. This week is our geometry mid-ter- midterm. Hey! I'm not worried, though. I always sit next to the smart nerds. Or when Shano, Shano Morris is in trouble. Wait a minute. Timeout And how about the hidden message that he placed on that Beau Revere tape? Where are you going? That's not the hidden message. That's the fucking song. And I know it verbatim without notes because I'm fucking crazy. Zack Morris is the kind of boy every girl dreams of. He's great looking, smart, and funny. Yes, that's Zack Morris. Zach Morris is a blonde Tom Cruise. Zach Morris is a ton. Zack Morris is perfect in every way. And can you imagine Shane Morris with mankind powers? as his flunky. Oh, Zach, you gotta help me. Something terrible has happened. You found out that Alf was a puppet? He is! Oh, well. (laughs) So, folks, I hope we can still remain friends forever, even though that is the end of our back to school special. I can't thank you enough for coming along on the journey, And, and since I didn't Uh, find ways to hype anything, please like and subscribe to the North South Connection Podcast Network. There's so much fantastic evergreen content out there that will scratch the itch for your fandom. The Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast continues to deliver. The uh, Wrestling Warzone has inspired me to go back and watch the Buried Alive match between The Undertaker and Screech because if Chad liked a Buried Alive match... It's got to be good, right? Because you got to think that a crazy gimmick like that is not going to be up his alley. And I'm being serious here. I, I, it's on the docket to go back and re-watch for myself. The, the new gen on a mission, even though the lovely heel doink is gone forever, they continue to strive forward with the glow and the bask of the USA, USA, pushing them forward as Lex Luger continues to struggle to overcome the odds. And you know what, guys? Keep pressing forward on your journey because we're getting real close to lex luger wearing that sweater at the survivor series i cannot fucking wait ah you know sometimes though a podcast will die but not tna never dies god damn it because it's back and it's better than ever in the fucking fairgrounds of wherever that's the truth and of course aaron's journey The wrestler that was continues to shine and deliver. Uh, Just recently covering the antics of Mr. Perfect and his huge dick. And if I could, just a cheap plug for myself, come into the Aqua Cave and get some more Johnny C shenanigans. We just launched launched the new program, Concrete Man. Why is it Concrete Man? Well, because concretes are what makes a house. And I want to visit you in your house. Where we literally just take note of every time somebody yells in your house so we can get a living document out there that we can listen to whenever we need to get picked up and are down on our luck but folks thanks again for joining the multiverse of fabulousness i will uh continue to deliver this to you every month and uh never forget that i'm johnny c and a winner is you